You're listening to episode 40 with George Hawkins, founder of Moonshot and professor of practice at American University. This episode is brought to you by the Alliance for Water Efficiency. Hi, this is Tom Ferguson, VP of Programming for Imagine H2O. This is the podcast that is revolutionizing the way the water industry communicates with the public. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Of course, <laughs> everything else matters. But if you need to raise revenue because you've got to do something work, that's not going to work unless you're already... Why would someone voluntarily say, sure, I'll raise rates, I'll pay more? Nobody does that. I wouldn't nope. unless I knew why why it matters to me. Who are these people? Do they use the money well that I already have? Yeah. Is this a place I trust? And that doesn't happen by accident. It happens because they're communicating. We could not be more excited for episode 40 and for season two, kicking off with George Hawkins. We were so excited that we got to catch up in real life with him at the 2019 Water for Texas conference put on by the Texas Water Development Board. It was a great conference and George is one of the keynotes. And for anyone out there experiencing a little FOMO, you're in luck because he actually mentioned several of the stories that he gave during that speech during our conversation. So there you go. So obviously as water nerds that are passionate about communication, our chat is ripe with takeaways about the incredible importance of communication to our industry. However, it's always a treat to hear that perspective from someone who is on the front lines of areas of water technology and financing the way that George is. We also talk about the incredible importance of internal communication and how you really have to begin there if you're ever going to hope to have an effective external communication program. And that includes not only things like ensuring that you have a mission, vision, and values, but by making sure that they're more than just words and that you're living them as an organization and ensuring your entire team hears them used regularly and sees them in action. We also talk about the role of communication and earning trust with the communities we serve. We were so fortunate to have Alliance for Water Efficiency as our sponsor for this podcast. So after a few words about their amazing organization, we'll get to the show. Rogue Water is proud to be an Alliance for Water Efficiency member. The Alliance for Water Efficiency is a nonprofit organization and North America's authoritative resource for water efficiency. Their mission is to promote the efficient use of water to achieve more resilient communities, businesses, and ecosystems. The AWE network brings together more than 450 member organizations, including water providers, business leaders, government agencies, nonprofits, academic institutions, and associations. AWE advances sustainable water use in partnership with its members through research, advocacy, resources, and education. They provide communities the tools and training to manage water resources sustainably, build the market for tomorrow's technologies and services, and gain partners to advocate, educate, and legislate. Learn more and join the network by visiting www.allianceforwaterefficiency.org or emailing membership at a4we.org. Let's be honest, George's bio could take up an entire blog post. Uh, I really liked how One Water Ohio said it in a social media post announcing his keynote address to their conference last year. It read, 
George Hawkins is the Harvard-educated founder of Moonshot LLC and just recently Moonshot Partners and also a professor of practice at American University and former head of DC Water. He's facilitated the transformation of DC Water and Sewer Authority to DC Water and oversaw taking DC Water from some very challenging times to the national and international reputation it now enjoys. George wants to help other enterprises tell their story, create replicable roadmaps and teach and reach their dreams so this is amazing this is like a year i've been waiting for this for like a year this is i'm so excited to be here Me too. <laughs> um you've done countless countless interviews you're the true oracle of the water industry however i want to step out of water for a minute and just ask you how how have you been this past year you know like we both started this entrepreneurial journey around the same time, and I know it's been a, a whirlwind for us. Um, I can only imagine what it's been like for you. Anyone that follows him on Twitter sees that he's in a different state or country uh, at any given yeah, time, yeah, moment, sometimes yeah. in the same day. Um, so how, has, how have you been, and how has entrepreneurial life been treating you? Uh, well... First, I'm delighted to be here. I've been looking forward to this myself. <laughs> so I'm really delighted to be back with my friends here in the great state of Texas. Um, and the last year has been fascinating. Lessons to be learned over and over, even one, uh, several lessons I thought I already knew. Um, <laughs> yes. Probably the most important and the most dramatic and, and, and oftentimes just funny situations is how much we rely on other people because mm. yes. I thought I worked hard at DC water I was pretty much doing the job all the time but what I didn't I, I knew I thought about it it's just until it's not there it's hard to right. really understand the sheer level of support I got in that organization until you're on your own yeah and all of a sudden nothing works or <laughs> your own flight yeah. I, can't, I can't do anything <laughs> and I can't fix anything and I don't know how anything works and <laughs> things don't happen and I want to delegate to somebody and there's nobody to delegate uh, to. George, I'm just going to say this. Rogue water. <laughs> <laughs> but you can delegate anything to me. Whatever you want. It's been pretty. Uh, so I just, uh, I was reminded in the last year sure. how many how many good people supported me. How big a team you had. And yeah. how about a great a team. And it wasn't yeah. just, it was great people supporting right. me. And they did it. And never a question, never a qualm. It was just always there. And I, and I thought I was good at recognizing it but I should have even done more you know, the people who help us are really incredible the other thing about this year is how much I've seen mm. when you're no matter how much and I probably spent more time than the average bear utility executive going around and talking to people when I was in the job uh, but I still have been astonished as I've had a year to really take the time mm -hmm. to see what's happening out not just here but around the world on water issues yeah and in some respects, it, it, one of the lessons, and I mentioned this to some of my compatriots, if I had to do it over at DC Water or any job like it, I would recommend someone every two, three years take a good four to six weeks off. Hmm. Not to maybe go holiday, and that's something to do too, but to right. really step back and have the time, not just for a brief mm. seminar or even a half-day program, but take a good chunk of time to see what's going on out there. Because yeah. I, what I really thought about the last year is not what we did at DC Water. It's what mm -hmm. we didn't do. Yeah. There are so many other things I've learned about. So many other places that have done things. I'm like, oh, gosh, that's oh wow about that. And when you're in the job and the demands of the day are so great, it's just hard to really pull yourself out and see what's going on. It's really fun. It's exciting. It's amazing. 
But I think it's well, it's time worth taking when you're in the job of working into the schedule like a mm-hmm. sabbatical. Yeah. Right. And yeah. a sabbatical yeah. to really see and then come back recharged, re-ready, and then have a real sense of what uh, some of the things that are possible. And it's really struck me this year. The water sector is changing fast and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah you, take that time to ponder. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what it made me think about. Yeah, I mean, we were talking um, to several people with this podcast over the past six or eight months, and um, that was something that, you know, I've thought too, was like, man, I, I almost wish I could go back even for a day and, and just give them all these ideas and all these um, great resources that, that cities can use and stuff. Um, but you really kind of set up the uh, next question perfectly. Mm-hmm. So um, when we did leave our jobs, we were introduced to experiences like the Imagine H2O and, and all these other experiences that give us that 30,000, 40,000 foot view of the industry. And it's totally changed our perspective. Has your perspective of the in- industry changed given your new role this past year? It has, and it has on at least two fronts. Um, some of it has changed just because I know more people. I, I spent a fair amount of time, but like last year I've really met even more people in our industry, and I love them. It's yeah, just yeah. that part is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I go somewhere and meet folks, I just think how great it is to be part of this effort. But the two things that, are, that strike me the most, one we've already sort of talked about, the opportunities and what can be done in sure. this sector are really extraordinary changing fast almost by the day go to an imagine h2o conference and see the sheer scale of the new things that are out there it's sort of amazing and mm-hmm. done by young young oh, people yeah. Yeah. lots of people and, and that question of how to get new talent but then the second point which i'm struck by which is even is more powerful given the first mm-hmm. is how many organizations are not doing those things and they're not doing them not because they aren't smart, not because they aren't dedicated, not because they aren't all the things that take being in this industry and committed to this industry. It's that often they're in resource-constrained communities, smaller utilities where they're just holding on. Mm-hmm. And the, their ability to do the job every day. I've talked to utilities where the GM is the chief engineer who also does all HR, writes most of the procurement proposals. And paving streets. And, and, <laughs> and it's what I, it's, I'm very much more sympathetic to that now because that's what it's like to run right. a little business. You have yeah. to run a little bit of everything. Yep. But to see utilities, and it's, these are some of the most creative and hardworking people out there because they're mm-hmm. holding these systems together through sheer effort mm-hmm. and dedication. But because of scale, because of a lack of resources, mm-hmm. they're not able to adopt even strategies that would save their money and their time right. just because of the difficulty of getting over the hump of figuring out what would they be, how would I know which ones, who would I select, how would I implement them. That sort of transactional and operational uh, effort is something that these folks are perfectly capable of. It. Sure. This is not a question of talent. Yeah. It's a question of capacity and time. Mm-hmm. And I think that divide in some respects is getting more dramatic. That mm. There is more and more opportunity almost by the day, and yet a larger number of utilities that are just having a hard time engaging with mm-hmm. those opportunities. And it's one of the many splits, polarizations in our world that I kind of worry about. Yeah, I think it's fixable. And the sure. fact that there's the opportunities there means there's hope. It's a lot better than having all these challenges and not having those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. But the question of how to do that is one of the most striking realities that I've uh, been thinking about and, and uh, really seeing in this past year. Mm. Yeah, I think it's like we need our big brother or big sister, you know, these bigger cities that can maybe help these younger ones. Because I'm, I'm actually in the middle of moving to a small town 
right now that's about 3,000 people. And you talk about the same person wearing multiple hats. Right. You know, that's that's what's happening. And, and so I'm like, how can I get those people introduced to these bigger cities or these bigger organizations that maybe already have some answers or can help them, you know, like a big brother or big sister would, you know, you can build a trust with. And, and when they say, yep, this is a great technology and I think it would work, like, let's do this. Right. You know, kind of take that burden of get the three bids and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even those time-consuming things. Right. Yeah. No, I think the idea that every organization independently has to go through all of the, the common steps, they're good there for good reason. You want to make sure public money is spent smartly and well, mm-hmm. but have to assess what water utilities are different in some respects, but what's remarkable to me is how similar they are mm-hmm. across the whole co- primary, secondary, pumping systems. Yep. There's far more alike in most utilities than unalike. Sure. So the these new techniques that can solve a lot of these problems actually apply in a lot of different places. And every particular place, assessing, selecting, procuring, and financing them like no one else has ever done it before. Right. It's a crazy waste of those resources if we could figure out a way to make it simpler and easier mm. and band together. Mm-hmm. For sure. So when most people in our biz think about you, they think of innovation and leadership and technology, but um, the thing about you that struck out the most to us, obviously, is that you're a huge proponent of communication. So you rocked your presentation at Catalyst 2018 last year, um, and you made every single educator and communicator in that room feel valued and validated. So first of all, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. But what are some examples from your experience working in a water utility that made you an advocate for communication in the water industry? Um, great question, and I learned that the hard way. But wait, before I go to the answer, <laughs> folks listening, people, go to Catalyst. If you have, Woo, whatever yes. whatever year you're listening to this, there will be a Catalyst. There, there. will so be. This is by then, it will be all over the United States. It's, yes. it's, it was a fantastic program, <laughs> and uh, it is something that you will learn, not just theory and what's could be done but a roadmap of how to take yourself there mm. you'll think about yourself how you present yourself how you present your organization how those two te- how those two things w- uh, work together you'll be with like-minded folks who are really great uh, people so you should go it's well worth the time and investment it will pay back 10 20 times over so do it thanks for that Appreciate you. Um, <laughs> the, the question on communication like most things you know i'm teaching this class at american university and i realized in preparing so for it i never once had a class in the environment I never once had a class on water. <laughs> I never once had a class on sustainability. I never had once had a class on business. None what of the things that school? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was e- expert in Soviet economics, which oh, is a very odd thing to be. Although, it turns out to be relevant for other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the reason that I say that is almost everything I've learned, I've learned by experiencing it rather than in learning it in any, mm. in any course mm. and the hard way. So I first went to nonprofits 20 years ago. It was all about water. It was a watershed group in New Jersey. It was a small community-based group. What I, my goal was was to change zoning and development patterns in this place based on water. So mm-hmm. nitrate dilution and water quality and all these things. And we came in and I started generating and, and doing proposals and getting money and hiring people. And I started saying things I heard from nonprofit executives all over, which is, we're the best kept secret. Mm. How many of you hear that from someone who's in a cause? We do all this great work, but not enough people know 
what we do. And if they did, oh my gosh, they would support oh us. And I remember, oh and I start, and I realized, gosh, I say that all the time. <laughs> Here we're doing all these things, and most people don't know it in yeah. Central New Jersey where we're based. And I, and it came, it just dawned on me someday. It was whose fault is that? The only people who are ever going to tell our story. There's no one out there who's going to do it out of the goodness of their heart. Mm-mm. We've got to tell it ourselves. In that job, I didn't get around to hiring communications people till I'd already grown the staff quite a bit. And it was late in the game because that's what I had learned the hard way. Mm -hmm. Not enough people knew and not enough people know. It's not only they won't support you or donate. We needed citizens to come to planning board meetings to support what we were doing to change zoning. And that meant communication. In every job that I've taken since then, I always start with communicating first because if you can't tell your story you can't make a connection all the things that come from communication nothing else comes right. yep and my one of my favorite days at dc water was when i was leaving it was one of our best technology guys came up to me and said you know by the time you uh, you're leaving now i finally get it mm. because when you came in here and the, you hired the head of your external affairs mm-hmm. office you said and i thought that's not what we need at dc Water. we need more engineers and yeah need, he says you know we're he's the one he's brilliant chris piazza's his name and he did the biosolids project of yep. taking bio cleaning clean energy and this new product called bloom we're selling on, dc water selling on the market mm-hmm. said in all these years there's been so much challenge to biosolids when we presented this product we had incredible acceptance out in the marketplace people heard of us they yep. knew who we were they understood what we were doing they presumed we were trying to do the right thing before they criticized there's yeah. always that said, sure. and that only came from all of this communication you've been doing all those years. Every else thing else <laughs> yep. you do is now within the context of an audience that has a sense of who you are. Mm-hmm. So um, what I, it's not that, Love you, Chris. Uh, of course, <laughs> everything else matters. But if you need to raise revenue because you've got to do something work, that's not going to work unless you're on it. Why would someone voluntarily say, sure, I'll raise rates, yep. I'll pay more? Nobody does that. I wouldn't nope. unless I knew why, mm-hmm. why it matters to me. Who are these people? Do they use the money well that I already have? Yeah. Is this a place I trust? And that doesn't happen by accident. It happens because they're communicating with me. Yeah. And the other comment I'll make is looking at DC Water before I got there, and this is unfortunately true of a lot of utilities, is that most of the time someone's in the news, it's a bad story. Mm-hmm. And the mantra I always heard, including the external affairs officer who ran the the office before I got there, whom I said had to go before I arrived, because mm-hmm. her perspective was, the only stories are negative, therefore the best story is no story. Yeah. And keep your head down, because yep. if it's going to be in the paper, it's going to be about a drought problem or a sewer backup or a water right. main mm-hmm. break. Therefore, let's keep our head down and keep quiet. And isn't there virtue to delivering this enormous service that people don't even know? There is virtue in that, by the way. What our what our folks do to deliver this service that people don't get is just one of the great. Uh, incre- profoundly powerful stories yes. of modern society yes, but that doesn't excuse people not knowing why would someone pay for something if they don't know why right. mm-hmm. and that all depends so it's finance it's recruiting people it's getting people to accept it's when you're doing a project it's permit approvals it's doing a new thing where you have biosolids it's clean. all of those things depend on an audience who understands what you're doing and why and that's where communication comes first and foremost whether it's in or out because it's Without it, it's it's the door. It's the key that unlocks the door to everything else. And these are some great pullout quotes. These are great nuggets. Um, And to speak, I don't know if it was the same engineer who said this, but when we went when DC Water did a a pre-conference workshop at Utilities Management Conference last year, uh, I, I believe he was an engineer. Stood up and said how he just 
didn't understand why you used to have these meetings where you used to bring all the directors in at the same time to have these meetings. They were like a waste of time. Like, why do I want to hang out with the guy who does this? Because I don't, that has nothing to do with what I do. And he said, but then by the time he left, it, it really, he understood because they would be having these conversations and someone would say, well, I'm really having a problem with this. And he'd be like, oh, well, that's, that's what I do. So I can help you clear up that problem. And he, and you know, he's telling the whole audience this. And, and I was like, yeah, because communication is not just about how well the utility communicates to the customer, but also the communications that's happening around the table. Like you're, you're better suited to serve your customers better when you all are on the same page. Well, you're, there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said. And, and whenever I recommend this to other utilities, I actually always say, start inside. Mm Mm-hmm. You won't be ready to, well, not that you can't not. If there's things happening, you got to communicate inside, of course you do what you got to do. Yeah. But if you're sort of planning it out for mm-hmm. a program, start with your own team. Yep. Hear the words they use. Hear what's on their mind. Get an esprit de corps and a common message that you stick to mm-hmm. so that when you radiate out to the outside world, what will happen? I just guarantee it. I know you do it all the time. So anyone listening, <laughs> this will happen. When you communicate more, You'll communicate more. Yeah, People right. will hear more. They'll see it more in the press. They'll think about it more, and they'll start having questions, and they'll start making inquiries. They'll do little research on their mm-hmm. own. They'll ask somebody in the street. So all of a sudden, all these new connections will start being triggered because of what you do. That's yep. a good thing. Yes. But if all the folks who are wearing the logos on the team of your enterprise aren't ready to say what their part is, and of course the, the folks in the street aren't mainly communicators, but they're still going to be ambassadors. Yes. People are going to know mm. in their yeah, neighborhoods, in their it. churches, in their schools. Who am I going to ask? I just heard about this new yep. thing you're doing. Who am I going to ask? I'm going to ask the person who works right. in the water utility. Yep. So having that common sense of what we're doing and why. The other thing, I'm fascinated by that story because I did call together everybody regularly. Mm-hmm. It was a huge room. There's probably 100 people in there. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted... We'll and, find out who it was. And, every, well, and, and I could tell people at first were sort of... It was had Some folks had to truck from other facilities from yeah, all the city all the way down to Blue doing? Plains, which is out in the, the, not, yeah. not near anything. <laughs> um, and oh, what I sensed over time was an esprit de corps in that room. And every meeting, we would take one group and allow them to present to all the others what they were doing. Because mm-hmm. it was amazing how in an organization, everybody's water people. I had no idea we were doing that. Yep. I had no idea we were doing I can help with that. Or yep. I have an idea. Or it's just the cross-fertilization that happened didn't happen right away. Right. But over time, the cross, then it would take off. Mm-hmm. And then, then you step out of the way and you just let all that go. Yep. But if folks don't have a sense of whole... I think it's hard for them to be you know, what they sure. can, as much as they can be, and that's a great place to start. So you're all totally on it for that one. Uh, so I know that you're an Ohio native, and so we have to assume that you're also a fan of the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District Twitter feed. I think I've seen you like and share some of their stuff. Uh, their creativity and timeliness makes them so relevant and engaging and hilarious. It's great. Um, the comms director there, John Gonzalez, recognizes that obviously not every utility is going to be able to kind of pull off the freedom that that they've been able to. But at Catalyst this year, 2019, he'll be speaking to attendees about ways that he's found to build those relationships with the gatekeepers. And so you've always been, you know, you were the general manager and you've always been kind of at the the helm of that and been a supporter of communication, but, and that creativity and kind of open communication style. But 
what advice can you give to the water educators and communicators listening uh, out there about how to win over upper management if they're not on board with it the same way you were? Sure. That's a great question. And it, and it comes to the heart of, in many respects, why and what I'm seeking to do over the last year. Hmm. Northeast Ohio Sears District is hilarious. Yes. They're, they are <laughs> awesome. I, I'm, I, I follow their Twitter. I don't care if it's about water. It yeah. just makes me laugh. It's hilarious. It's like, it's hilarious. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, my gosh, I just learned something at the same time. Oh. Yeah. And it's Northern Ohio, where I'm born. I'm like, that's my yeah. hometown. That's awesome. <laughs> They're rocking it all the time. All but, the time. But um, what, what – they didn't start there, though. No, and right. what I'm always impressed by when I'm telling some part of the D.C. water story is what I'm tending to tell is an end point. Mm-hmm. Not an end. There's never an end point. But some point where we've accomplished something. Mm-hmm. Well, now we've got this big external affairs office, this big digester project. We have this big thing that we're doing with whatever it is. And most of the people, I hear this all the time, and, and this is one of, the, what, one of the topics that has inspired me over the last several years, is you know what we like you tell an entertaining story it's relevant and interesting but it bears no relationship to where our utility is Mm. so hearing i mean dc water i left i think we had 12 full-time external affairs people wow Wow. and that was uh, they were everywhere i mean there's almost nothing that would happen in the city that we weren't on top of and being engaged on and, and, and all the rest yeah but it didn't start there so what I started to feel badly about is I would tell a story of somewhere where we'd gotten not telling any of the elements that it took to get there. Mm-hmm. And it never started there. Nah. We didn't start with 12. We started with three. And two had already been there, and I hired one Probably person. How do you get three? Um, well, two were already there. And um, we hired, I hired a new director and over time. And, and, right. and that's one of the things I'm trying to do over this past year into the Moonshot Partners, which is a new enterprise, mm-hmm. is not just tell the story of what's possible that's this beautiful thing that takes years and years. What's your next step? What do you do next Monday? And Tuesday, that yeah. is accessible and attainable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not making a value judgment. Wherever you are on the evolution of this thing, from don't have it at all, do mm-hmm. I have a pretty good team and I want to get it better? Mm-hmm. All of us are on that scale somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take where you are and figure out what are the next few steps to be taken. Mm-hmm. And what I found with external affairs, there was tremendous skepticism about it at DC uh, WASA. Sure. We were still called that when we started on this. And we started small, not a big team. We started talking about what we were doing and what, again, I just guarantee it will happen. It happened. We had a, we were, had headwinds and in, in, we had had this worst lead situation in the United States mm, yeah. at DC Wassa. There was a lot of things that people did not like about DC Wassa, and we turned it around. But it didn't. It was the board started seeing, hey, when we went to rate hearings, we had people show up and say positive things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're going out. Hey, Washington Post did a positive article about mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? We've yeah. never had an article on the Washington Post that wasn't slamming us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's a whole article about something positive. And that's say, well, we should do a little more of that. And you grow in piece, in piece after piece with a payoff. Sure. And it's almost like any business investment. Going all the way to the full thing, maybe some places can do that. I've never seen it. Yeah. Each step along the way, you demonstrate and prove the value of the step that prepares it for the next mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And who knows how far it could be that you that two or three is plenty for the size you have but what what i know we all believe this in this room and i'm just if you're listening believe this if you invest in this it will pay off not might not could no 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 it will and you will get support for your enterprise you will get things that your enterprise needs to flourish you've got the people you got the intelligence you got the capability the question is whether you have people supporting you whether it's political governance 
financial or ratepayer customer, whoever the all the regulators, the whole group of them right. is going to start here. And you can start small, demonstrate start. with this piece. Just and it, and if you can't hire a person at first, because that's then hire. Well, I know someone you can hire. <laughs> 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 And they could come in and do something. That's a piece. rogue water for anyone who didn't catch the cough. That's the, a piece of something. So you're not a higher. The advantage of a place like rogue water, and this is really important. This is the idea of someone else coming in. Mm. The challenge of a small utility of setting up your own external affairs office is you may not have a big enough rate base right. or mm. a big enough organization. So don't do it. You have a, a experienced, hands-on communications team that has worked for utilities right here. And they won't, you need to hire them for full time. You need to hire them for a project. Mm -hmm. Let them do the project with you, teaching to fish, not just fishing we for you. teach a fish. And then <laughs> when you take that, then you'll say, and then your board will see it, and you go from there. Yeah. That's the, I bet there's very few utilities that can't pull together enough to do a project, particularly if it's about something that matters to you. Yeah. There's a project you need to get done. There's a rate coming up that you know is going to increase and you have to prepare. That is all in your interest to get that communicated. If you're not ready to hire a whole external affairs office on right. your own, you can bring in someone who knows what they're doing. You're only hiring them for that project. So you're not making a longer term commitment right. until you've proven to your governance how well it works. Mm -hmm. And maybe you just stick with the model of externalizing this and letting someone come in. They get they will get to know you really well over time. So it'll be like your best friends. We'd love to teach a man to fish. So <laughs> do it. Do it. <sighs> okay, so in December, you were on a panel for Gigi Wash where you talked about the incredible importance of vision and mission. And in our experience, we've seen that, you know, sometimes this gets glossed over or written down and stuck on a shelf collecting dust um, or put on a wall and then find a picture over that mission. <laughs> No names. So why is this important for an organization, especially in the water industry, to not only believe in the mission, but act on it? I love that question. You know, I always felt if, if you don't know where you're going, you certainly will get there. <laughs> and um, what the thing about a mission, and, and we talked all the time, water is life was our mm -hmm. mission, and, and it, w it permeated everything. And I'm, I have been in organizations, and I have run organizations where the mission and vision was not done well. So mm -hmm. I've Again, learn the hard way. But a mission done well, it, it offers so many opportunities for an enterprise. It allows everyone to agree mm -hmm. to coalesce. There's always going to be a disagreement in an organization. If there isn't yours, there wasn't mine. It's just an element of humankind. But there's these really profoundly powerful principles that we all absolutely agree with and always draws us together. And it gives us a sense of purpose and a core of a communications mm -hmm. team. As soon as we decided that our mission was this protection of water, which was life in Washington, D.C., and life in the Chesapeake Bay, and all these things that radiated from it, mm -hmm. that started to be something that wasn't just something on the wall. That was a radiating issue that started permeating into everything. How do you, how do you want to treat employees who are doing things? How do you want to talk about employees? How do yeah. you talk to your people? What is Everything radiated from that. Um, and the other thing I like is, uh, and I always start with the mission, the vision is how you get it done. So the mission is, we've got this incredible, and I, people have heard me say, what's more important than water? It is the foundation of civilization of every species. But of course, the one principally is us. <laughs> that we get to do that. That's an incredible thing that, yeah. they, that the essential element of all life forms comes down to work that our enterprises mm -hmm. do. That's amazing 
a mission that we have. The yeah. vision is how do we get that done? And in our case at DC Water, I have to say our vision was much more practical. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be world class. Yeah. And what did that mean to be world class? Yeah. Well, in every single part of the enterprise, what is world class? How would we know it if we saw it? And in almost no cases were we world class. But we, who is out there that we think is sort of like that? Let's put them up on the wall yep. and go for it. Go. So that's now, and that's very practical. Mm-hmm. What is world class? The best organizations are doing leakage at this level. Well, how come we're not there? What are we going to do to get there? The very best organizations have only this number of accounts receivable. Well, how are we going to get there? The mm-hmm. very best organizations, when they have a dollar of revenue that come in, they spend only five cents in administratively getting that dollar. Mm-hmm. Well, we're spending 30 cents. How do we get there? Yeah. Yeah. It's an automatic notion of what's saying world class. I don't know exactly what that means. Who's really good? Benchmark it and then take Go. a practical set of steps to get there because we know by doing those things, that mission comes alive. Yeah. Then we start protecting more water. We serve more people and all the rest. It was a great tag team. And for us, it was very practical day to day. And it motivated us all the time. Sure, it motivated me. So I think uh, to, to kind of just piggyback on that, uh, this idea of when, when I heard you say to act on it, to me, a piece of that is to, to talk about it and to use those words. Um, I think about, I've seen, we've seen you present a ton of times now and you have these core messages that you, that you drum away at. And the reason is, is because that permeates every single audience that you talk to. And our mentor, Greg Wukash talks about the whispering campaign. And we've seen that work when Mm -hmm. we were at our, when we were at our city is that we were so driven Mm -hmm. by our mission, by our core values, by our whole team, just just, just us. us. And yeah. we would talk about it and we would use that language mm-hmm. and then and then we would be at a staff meeting and we would hear our boss start using those similar words and ideas when he was communicating to the rest of the staff and we were like holy cow Greg you're right that works. <laughs> so it's just it's important to mm-hmm. if you want your people to live eat and breathe your vision, your mission, your core values, you have to talk about them. They can't be just these Words uh, on a wall. Static words mm-hmm. on the wa- wall are just nice things that you put in the annual report. Like you really do have to talk about them and live them, and and make sh- and you'll be surprised at how that kind of trickles down with your people. Well, you know, and, and it connects back to something we talked about just a few minutes ago, which is the importance of starting off by listening inside. Mm. Because the, the notion of water is life and DC WASA, which is what it was mm-hmm. when I was, got there, as being an environmental enterprise, was not mine. Mm-hmm. In fact, I didn't come in with that idea. I had been a regulator. I regulated <laughs> DC WASA and thought of them as a polluter. Yeah. So when I got there, however, I adopted my strategy that I always use with an organization, and I've never kept a job very long, so I've been <laughs> part of a lot of them. And when I go in, I listen first. And as I was going around to all these groups of employees, what I was hearing from them in so many words is, we do this incredibly important work protecting the water of this city. Part of it was nobody knows. But the other was I kept on hearing over and over again, we're the one, you know, the Chesapeake Bay wouldn't be clean without us. And I was like, I never thought of that Mm -hmm. that way. Mm I had been a regulator thinking of it, a place I regulated. So when I started repeating it back and water is life and the colors we had, and we changed the colors of the logo to represent environmental ethic the reason it resonated the reason it resonated at your organization is that you were saying things that people were thinking already right it was in their hearts and minds i know when i first started saying it at dc water dc wasa employee 
I could, I could see the people of our place sit up in their seats when I was saying, you're the most important environmentalist in the city. We have every environmental group known to humankind with an office <laughs> in Washington, D.C., but you're the most important environmentalist mm-hmm. in the city because of what you do. Yeah. I was the first one to change. That was my transformation personally. Mm. But as soon as I started radiating it back, it went through the team because they already felt it. They just never heard anyone say it they, before, yeah. particularly Value publicly. Value and validation. Yeah. And then it was amazing how that just took off. And now you hear, I hear the water's life and that kind of phrase. And it's those, not that they weren't around before, but it, when it resonates with something that is A, true, mm-hmm. and B, something that someone already has on their mind, then it can take off. Yeah, definitely has to be true. And you know that by spending time talking to your own team. That's right. So um, you touched a little bit on on lead just in referencing uh, the issues that D.C. Water had or D.C. Wassa had when you first got there. And, you know, we live in a world where the crisis in Flint, Michigan caught national attention, happened during the presidential election, and it's really given people pause to think when they turn on the tap and they notice something is off, even if it has nothing to do with lead at all. So people are sort of wary of us as an industry, but we need their trust in us to move forward to address many of the challenges that we have with needing new infrastructure or adopting new technologies. So in your opinion, how can water utilities begin to earn back this trust that may have been lost? Sure. And uh, of course, part of the answer is how we communicate, but the question is in what fashion with this particular issue. And again, there may be no organization in the water utility world that was le- less trusted mm-hmm. than DC Wasa was mm-hmm. because of what had happened. This was mm-hmm. not a philosophical or speculative. No, there had been a terrible lead contamination problem in Washington, D.C. that had not been handled well. And so people believed that DC Wasa had sort of poisoned people without telling them. Um, and that's a, that's a talk about coming back from mm. a tough trust pot. My view is several uh, on several levels. First, and this is fairly technical or tactical, but it's still very important, is to get the language right and not overpromise. So in all of the public meetings I ever did, and I did a tremendous number of them, I never said, I can guarantee that the water coming out of your tap is clean. Because I can't. Yeah. All I can tell you standing here tonight is that the water sitting on the main is clean. Mm, yeah. And in most cases, based on monitoring we do, the water coming out of the tap in most places in D.C. is clean. So I have good confidence it probably is, but I can't guarantee it because I don't know what's true of what's your service line and the premise plumbing and the faucets in your house. Right. Yeah. So what we do at D.C. Water, and particularly if you're in a category of customer where you're pregnant or you have small children or, they, or you have immune issues, mm-hmm. um, get a monitoring case we will give it to you we'll take it back we'll tell you what we find we modified the whole monitoring system based on the lead advocates they said we had a variety of criticisms of the way it used to be done we changed all of that to do what they said so it was going to mm-hmm. find out and even then if it shows a number that doesn't mean there's all we'd always take the next step and and so that was first places that say we know the water's clean and that it isn't you killed yourself right out of the gate yeah, yeah. second is when there's a problem be straight about it this was an interesting reality for me. It happened early on, and I think you probably heard me tell the stories of when we had a several occasions where we called boil water alerts. And I remember the first one. I was doing a NACWA presentation, of all things, and while I was waiting to speak, Bob Perciuseppe was up on the stage. I was walking up afterwards. I got the call on the phone, 
And what it, we were cleaning one of our reservoirs that was at the highest part of the city and a valve that was supposed to be closed, and I knew nothing about this at the time, I said, <laughs> when I was early, wasn't closed and chlorine could have gotten from the disinfectant process into the drinking water. Yeah. We didn't know it for sure. And so I literally finished my speech, ran out front, got in a car, drove up to Fort Reno. This is the highest part of the city. And Fort Reno being the highest part of the city is also where all the media is because mm -hmm. that's where all their antenna are. Sure. So there's enormous array of a media up there because mm -hmm. all they had to do was walk out their door. <laughs> and what we decided was to call the alert, even though we didn't know right. that it had happened. And we did everything. We called the alert. We walked door to door. We talked to all. I went on TV that night, the next morning, telling everybody this could have happened. It was our mistake. We're fixing it, and we're making sure you're safe. And this was I was scared to death of what was going to happen. But sure. we surveyed those customers in the following weeks, and almost without exception, their opinion of us went up, mm. not down. Mm. because the criticism in the lead scare had been that we hadn't told people things. Yeah. And the, t the tendency in the past, this was not for necessarily wrong reasons, is we're not going to call something as severe as a boil water alert or do not use the water alert until we know it's true, which means all the monitoring has to come back. Mm. But if you wait until all the monitoring comes back, that means it's been true for a while and you haven't called the alert yet. Yeah. yeah. That is a huge problem. So it's what we did all the years I was there, if we had a... Not just any old story, but a good story that was scientifically believable, not to me, I'm a lawyer, to people who I trusted, <laughs> that this could be a problem. We called the alert. We told everybody. And we did everything. Walking door to door, door hangers, going on TV, the whole thing. And in almost every case, people's opinion of us went up, not down, because they knew that even when it looked bad for us in the short run, yeah. what are you idiots not turning the right valve? <laughs> well, there's... 47,000 of them. Every once yeah, in a while, yeah. we get that wrong. We're doing better, but we made a mistake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we're going to own up to it. We're going to do what it takes to make sure you're safe. And then we're going to fix it and get better. And that's a fairly straightforward message that every human being knows because we all do that yeah. in our yeah. own lives every single day. Mm -hmm. So it's not an unusual story. And I think all of us go out to someone as soon as they admit, are open about it, and are like, I'm going to get that right, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry. We did it, but we're going to get it right. right. Mm -hmm. And it worked in our case. And I think that's what's going to take. And not minimizing what the risks are. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are lots of risks out there. We don't know all of them as well as we'd like. And um, it's sometimes painful to have to express those to our customers. But we found, my experience was, it, it was to our long-term benefit and strength. They trusted us. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the most important issue. Trust what we're saying to you. Because we'll tell you, even when it's a bad story, if that's what it needs to be told, we'll tell it. Yeah, and that's, you know, I feel for utilities that that get into those situations because it does feel counterintuitive to just say it, like own it. You know, you, you want to say, oh, I don't really want anyone to know that yet until we know this or that. But, I mean, if you think about your own personal relationships, yeah. you know, your kids, like one of the biggest things is I don't care what you did, just don't lie to me about it and we'll right. figure it out, you know. But we forget all of those things about normal human relationships when we go to work and are dealing with our customers right. and we tend to see it differently. Well, I love it because the analogy, I look at my kids and when they're being sort of disagreeable and even if they're not lying, you're hiding and not accepting, mm -hmm. the minute any one of them says, I made a mistake, I need help. Yeah. Bam! My perspective on it changes Everything, instantaneously yeah. mm -hmm. every time. Yeah. Then I say, okay, let's 
I'll help. Of course I'll help. That's what we're all here for. That's what good people do. Yeah. And I think organizations are the, and, and larger groups are the same thing. Ask, own up to it. And by the way, also, yes, I'm going to, but here are the good things we're doing. Yeah. So we're we're, we're going to shine. We made a mistake, but we're going to shine in how well we fix this. Yeah. And the things we do in our organization to make sure we minimize that it could ever happen again. Mm-hmm. And so we can show our talent even when it's been triggered by a mistake. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to have that negative Nancy or negative Ned or whatever who's right. never going to be happy no matter what you say. But don't base your communication strategy on Absolutely. that one person because you're never – you never be, do it for the be, other people. They'll be there anyways. Yeah, yeah. The they'll be there anyways. Negative will always be there. So if that causes you to do something, then you only have that. Exactly. Then what does anybody hear? Only that. Yep. You see the field to the naysayers out there, and there's plenty of them, mm-hmm. then that will be what your enterprise gets known by. And that did actually happen to D.C. Wassa for many, many years. The only voices out there were negative, so that's what it was. You pandered to, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which kind of leads into how historically, for that very reason, utilities uh, have been happy to be kind of behind the scenes and... Um, they don't really have that luxury anymore with social media and just everyone's a, everyone's a, an expert now and can Google something and feel like they have the answer that they need. But now more than ever, it's important for water utilities to really look at their customers as customers and to be more customer-centric. Not so, rate payers. Not rate payers, <laughs> customers. So give us your take on why you believe customer service is so vital to utilities today, especially related to getting their support for adopting new technology or addressing those funding needs. Sure. Um, and the only thing I would say that um, it's not that I disagree with you. I, I, I thought of customers and rate payers, and I'll tell you why. The ratepayer reality, it's not that I called them ratepayers or in my, my communications, but I always remembered that these people are paying money. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the ratepayer perspective is independent of customer service, is for the money they're paying, are we deliver delivering a good service and mm-hmm. can I prove it? Mm-hmm. So just in a straight transactional way, I did think this person is writing out a check. Mm-hmm. Can I prove to them whenever they ask or in any hearing that we're having, that we had lots of them, mm-hmm. that the money they're writing is being well spent? That's it's parallel and connected to customer service, but that the rate pair notion of of I've got to justify every dollar that comes in is a perspective I always remembered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's super important. My when I throw in customer service or, you know, to, for me personally, it's just to bring back that human element to the industry because a lot of times we just see them as numbers or connections or mm-hmm. rates rate payers and I really want to bring more of the customer oh without a you doubt know, yeah the, the human this right. is a person on the other end of that right no we I, call I, them I connections but yet have no connection right. to them <laughs> well for a long time at DC Wassa all of the connections were occupant because we didn't oh. get names, ah. so. <laughs> how about that <laughs> no what you're saying is exactly right the only reason I keep the rate payer perspective no, is the too. idea of demonstrating yes that the dollars that you're spending are being used well. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a business question. Yeah. The customer question, and, and I heard this a lot when I started, I hadn't really thought about this very much either because I'd never been in a utility until I was in the job, is we have a monopoly. So we're, mm-hmm. we don't yeah. think of folks as customers because yep. they can't send their wastewater anywhere else but us. <laughs> um, and, and, and it seemed crazy to me to think that way. And it, I don't think this was any great revelation. It was just everybody out there, maybe because I had been in, in jobs where I was very much directly facing people, they have choices every day for what they can do. They can decide to write a negative post. They can decide to come to a hearing and complain. They can decide to call their 
um, council member or their ward chief, whoever, their mayor, or, and complain. There are lots of choices that they can make that can be detrimental to our enterprise, mm -hmm. including I'm going to start buying bottled water or I'm going to criticize this on the local chat room. And, and the, yeah. well, there's just the sheer range of things that people can do <laughs> that have direct consequence to our ability to do the job. Mm -hmm. um, the And the irony is, is that we have this great opportunity to please them. We do things for them that they love. Yeah. Being able to deliver the service in the way we do it. And what I found, and I'm sure this is true in every communicator and every organization, is that when you open what you do to the people you serve, it boggles the mind mm -hmm. because the advantage of him not knowing ahead of time is you can shock and awe them. You can yeah. be like, oh, my God, I had no idea. <laughs> you mean that there's a 10-foot sewer 18 feet under my feet that is – there's these pump stations and there's all over the city and I had no idea. Mm -hmm. That's what your check's going for. That's yeah. what we're doing. If you want to go see one, want to go see a plant, I would always say come to Blue Plains, which is this gigantic sewer wastewater treatment plant. Mm -hmm. Why would anyone want to go there? I would say, come see it. First of all, it's your plant. Yeah. You paid for it. Uh, yep. I didn't pay for it. Well, I did as a customer. But <laughs> you are, we're paying, so it's your place. But it will blow your mind when you see what we're doing mm -hmm. to keep the water clean. And not that we're bragging. That's what you, but why, you won't be amazed at what we're doing, the sophistication of it, the technology, the effort, the 24-hour a day. Think of this. This facility is working in every kind of weather. When you're sitting at home thinking, I am so glad I'm not outside right now. Guess what? Our folks are. Yeah. Because that stuff never stops. And when you see it and have these things that you can show people and make, and, and I never had it not happen. Never once in this big, that's one of the coolest things. I had no idea. Right. Or going down and we took, we, we took folks down into big sewers. They're like, oh my God, we had no idea this was under here. You see yeah. one of these 30-foot brick art sewers that was built a century ago? Amazing. I mean, every place has their own version of that. Yep. But if it's part of people are amazed. Mm -hmm. It's cool. It's interesting. Kids are interested. Everybody's interested. If you make the pitch, yeah, and then you have a customer who's getting drawn in and mm -hmm. say, oh, I know what I'm writing my check for. Right. Now I know. Why would someone write a check if they don't know what they're writing it for? And that's treating them with a customer with a choice. They will have to write the check. That's true. It is a monopoly, and they can't disconnect, but mm -hmm. they can write it with encouragement, with support, with I know what this is going for, mm -hmm. or begrudging, angry, critical, I'm going to do everything I can to stop this. <laughs> And we know where that goes. Yeah. So uh, the, the, to me, the, it's the whole, it, part of the whole. And by the way, it, on a human level, when we started thinking more of our folks as customers, it's just you start interactions off differently. Mm -hmm. And I loved watching with our field crews. Because mm -hmm. when they would start talking, thinking, yeah, this is someone we serve. You know, mm -hmm. my salary kind of comes from them and, and all the rest. It, it, the mindset is not only for them. The mindset is for our own folks. And it's not that our folks, it's just them thinking, these are customers. My entire mm -hmm. career is built on them supporting us. Yeah. There's a total interest in me acting that way because yeah. I'm my family and all the things I do. I love what I'm doing. But there, it's just the whole relationship changed to do a different thing. It goes back to having a core message. Now I, have a, I know why I'm delivering the message. I'm gaining this connection with the people mm -hmm. we serve. That is also helping my family as I worry about how I'm going to mm -hmm. make my way in life. It's a, it's a wonderful package. And I think it does start with treating the people you serve as customers. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. 
I agree. I hadn't thought about that from yeah. the perspective of um, what that means to the employee. You know, I think that's one thing where, you know, I like the story of when you talk about how when you're telling people how important what the work they do is that you see them sit up straighter mm-hmm. in their seats because we we don't do a good enough job at telling our own family, our own people, like, you're amazing. What you do every single day is what separates us from, you know, where we were hundreds of years ago, before, mm-hmm. you know, when people were dying in the streets right. because of this. Like less than 100. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, the reason what you're saying, and it sort of knits all this together, um, is what our people are doing. And, and, I've, and I used to say it all the time, and then I would hear them say it. It's like what you hear when yeah. you start seeing these things radiated. Um, the provision of clean water, and, and I don't think I overstate the point, any of us overstate the point at all, is one of the fundamental principles of people being able to live together in communities. Yeah. Because as soon as you have people coming together, you're going to be collecting waste. You're going to have all sorts of opportunities, and dirty water kills fast. And uh, it's not just that for us. Then once it goes downstream and all the rest of the food chain, and guess what? We're at the top of the food chain. So if you're just human-centric, eh, we're still at the – that's all yep. to us. This idea of our people do that. And sec- that's first, worth of the work. Second is the complexity of the work. Mm. This is not just someone who sits in the garage to fix late-model cars. I always was astonished when we would open up the street and there would be pieces of, it's like a car that you're trying to fix. And when you open up the hood, <laughs> you don't know if you're going to get a Tesla or a Model T. And or you both. might just get both. <laughs> With a Volkswagen stuck yeah, in the middle yeah. and a little piece of a Mustang over yeah, here. Yeah. And you're trying to bob and weave and figure out how these pieces together under pressure. So mm-hmm. this is not something we, any of us do like, oh, well, we'll get that next week. Not no, under no, no. pressure because your boss is like, faster like literally, literally under, under pressure right. under pressure <laughs> and people are watching out the windows like when's my water going to be back on and you and all of us get that I, and mm-hmm. the fact that our folks do that and and what i would hear that again that first time i went around is i think our people know it in their hearts yes mm-hmm. that's why people in our industry stay mm-hmm. there's tremendous longevity of mm-hmm. people who come to the water industry because i think they know it inside um, but for an organization to really radiate, and that's why this all comes back together, the sense of what this matters is something that can't just be inside. It's yeah. got to be something we all hear. Yeah. And for anyone who's listening to this who is one of those folks, um, uh, I always felt that I had the easiest job in the whole place because I just talked about it. <laughs> the people who were doing this work, m- m- one of my favorite pictures uh, was one of our employees. I used to call him the closer because he would always solve nice. problems. <laughs> but we had had flooding in this neighborhood, and uh, one of the things we did if we couldn't fix it otherwise was we distribute sandbags. And one of our folks took a picture of him, and he was carrying sandbags for one of our what, this older woman, mm-hmm. uh, and he was pulling a, a wagon, an old-fashioned wagon, and carrying sandbags, walking next to this woman, going to her house to fix it. He wasn't doing that because anyone asked him. Mm-hmm. He was wasn't doing. He was doing because that is the ethic of the people in our industry. Yep. We are true public servants and every time i said so i get a little tear in my eye and go oh my god i love that <laughs> and i just love being around people who are like that and yeah. and you all who are listening who do that work i mean whether and and by the way hire rogue water and you can get the story out to the people you serve <laughs> but in case they haven't heard it yet civilization rests on your broad shoulders mm. 
Mm. There's no more. There's no longer short of that. Civilization rests on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. That is a huge responsibility. But what is so awesome is that you're up to the task. You do it like with hardly breaking a sweat. It's amazing. Yeah. What is that um, quote that Greg Wukash always says is catalyst or water is the catalyst for community transformation? Water creates the catalyst yeah. for community transformation. Um, Go yeah. Greg. <laughs> uh, he's awesome, by the way. But <laughs> let me say something about that. What 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 I do believe about water is one of the reasons that I'm spending a lot of time with technology is that mm -hmm. unfortunately, a lot of these communities that are downtrodden, lower income, mm -hmm. not as much resources, again, perfectly dedicated, smart. There's nothing to do with the value of the people. It's just they don't have as much stuff. Yeah. Resource is they get to be defined by the things they don't have Ugh. and about bad water services. And how to start an upward spiral of, of sort of positive energy in a place, this is to me the opportunity that's before us. Some of these new techniques in the water world, which can save money on an existing operating budget, which can improve service on existing service, which can be done when a place does that to start, that's all of a sudden can be, we're not the community that's known for having the backward water system. Look what we just did. Mm -hmm. And we just taught our employees to do and, and worked with them so that they could figure out. And now they're doing this. They learned to fish, not just someone fished for them. <laughs> Look what we can do. It's just, it's a mind change for what that community stands for. Mm -hmm. And water's always been the fundamental principle of a place. But what about the delivery of water mm. representing what a place can be? Well, yep. you can learn and the technologies that can be adopted and the services we can deliver and what we can learn and do for the people in our place. This is what our community can do on anything. Mm -hmm. It's a great, it's a, I love that idea from Greg because I agree with it. It is absolutely a place that you can build from in any community, no matter what, and maybe even most importantly in communities that have restrained resources. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like you just are softball pitching me all these awesome segues. <laughs> Um, so you're out there every day or all the time with these water tech folk, financing folks, the XPVs and the xylems of the world, and you're on the front lines of innovation. What has George Hawkins the most excited about the future of water? I'll tell you what's uh, exciting me the most about water <clears throat> is I truly believe, and I'll tell a quick story. In 1897, the first big international urban planning conference was disbanded in disarray mm -hmm. because it failed. And it failed because no one who arrived could figure out how to solve the biggest problem that bedeviled every major city worldwide. You know what that was? Have I told you the story before? I haven't actually no. heard this story. It's, I'm so excited. I'm like going through my this day in water history uh, trying I'm, to. Uh, it's gonna, it's, it, it will be my story tomorrow morning, so you oh. can sleep through oh. that part. Yes. I... Horse manure. In the 1880s and 1890s, everything was transported by horses. In New York City, it was said 2.5 million pounds of manure. No, holy holy crap. <laughs> piled up every day. The reason that there are steps, stoops in New York City, was to get people up out of the horse manure. They used mm. to plow it like snow, and it would be <laughs> piled up on the side of roads. I mean, you see one little parade go by in your town. You see all the horse manure that's You there. have the best visuals, George. George, I have 80 acres and like 100 head of cattle. So we have know. so much poop. Yeah, yeah it's just ridiculous. And, and, so and you poop. couldn't do anything in a city unless you did with horses. That was the transport mechanism, and they couldn't figure out the solution. It was an incredible health problem. <laughs> in hot weather, it would, it would oh, yeah. dry up and blow around and wet. Weather, weather and just be oh 
Okay, let me just interrupt because my father, growing up, he had a horse farm, and that's what we had to do was scoop the poop, and it was mountains yes, of poop. Un- it, uh, horses are the wonderful steam, animals. They are how very, much heat they produce generates? a lot of material. I cannot wait for this keynote. Uh, well, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what was. So they disarray because no one knew what to do. We we need horses to get around. There's no other way to transport stuff, and we don't know what. There's no easy answer. Mm-hmm. By the way, not only was it manure when horses would die. They leave them in the street. They're huge. They're huge. They're incredibly heavy. The only way to get a horse out of a uh, that's died is other horses would have to come and pull the horse out. out. And if and in many parts of in in cities they would just leave them there and decompose. Lots of people were dying because of the horrible consequences. Twenty years later, the problem was solved. Why? The car. It was something that hadn't been thought of in the 1897 Mm. that just eliminated the problem. Now every prognostication about water is always, oh, we need 200 trillion of this or one, but it's just these ridiculous numbers mm-hmm. that if we all came together as a profession, no matter how good we are and said, we're going to solve the problem by raising a trillion dollars, we're all like the horse manure problem. That's impossible. <laughs> we might as well just despair and disband in disarray. Mm. Except the same thing has happened. Every one of those calculations about all the money that's needed to solve things is looking at the cost of doing things based on based on the horse manure issue of last. Mm-hmm. So when you replace a water main, which is incredibly expensive, by the way, the main's the cheap part. It's all the road work that goes right. into replacing a main that's so expensive. But nowadays we know you put a little diagnostic tool through the main, you figure out the two or three places where it actually needs to be fit. You replace those and you right. clean and line the rest, you save 80%. So all of a sudden that huge number for what it was going to cost, it's not the right number yeah. because we're looking backwards in that calculation. And what we're sitting on today, which I don't even think was true 10 years ago, I could pick out 10 technologies that would take the core business of any utility, pumping, transport, leaks, the mm-hmm. things that every utility has, mm-hmm. and vastly improve its efficiency and effectiveness mm-hmm. to save existing money mm-hmm. so that you could take any utility and not new money. This is what I did at DC Water. We raised more money. No, the money that you spend now will take that money and be so far more efficient given these new techniques that we'll save money on your existing operating budgets and your existing capital budgets, which you either can return to your ratepayers or use to buy some of these and invest in some of these new fangled and solar and all the rest. That's where we are today. The opportunity of not looking backwards and fixing all the problems like we have, not that those weren't good fixes for their time, but that's the buggy whip. No, we've got these new techniques and technology. They're changing the entire calculation of how this work can be done. We will save enormous amounts of existing revenue that can be reinvested or return to ratepayers. And I think that's the opportunity before us, and that excites the heck out of me. Yes, Xylem and XPV, Xylem is, uh, has a lot of these technologies. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what they do is they learn, they listen and learn from utilities and then figure out something that does what we've always been doing, but mm-hmm. applying new sensors and technology and artificial and all these things. And I'm a lawyer. Like I said, I just, whatever. <laughs> Except when I read the performance, I'm like, this is incredible and that's where I kick myself about DC water I wish I'd done more Mm -hmm. if I'd known more of the things that I know now about what's possible I would have adopted 10 times more because it would have saved existing ratepayer money and even though we raised rates a lot in DC and it was a growing city unlike some 
every place wants to save rates and every place has affordability affordability issues every place has lower income customers some places unfortunately have that as their dominant uh, demographic sure. and yeah. i think today there is an answer for those places where i'm not sure 10 years there was and that's something to get fired up about mm-hmm. yeah well um i don't i don't want you to focus too much on what you didn't accomplish at dc water because we needed you to leave yeah. to get that perspective yeah. so that now you can spread this far beyond the reaches of just one water utility and you know you've your impact was needed elsewhere so well i've just given up my <laughs> what i'm I, i've created this organization called moonshot partners uh, yes we want to hear about that um and the whole idea behind moonshot it's nonprofit, mm-hmm. but the whole idea behind moonshot partners is to identify and operationalize 10 to 20 steps that are these are not the really newfangled things but mm. they're they're newish new technologies that and to have a play sheet like a sports team. Sure. It's yeah. not just you're going to become a Super Bowl team. Oh, no. What are the t- 10 or 20 things that each you do each one of these or two of them? And then go to utilities and say, you pick which one you're interested in. We're not going to force anything on you. But on this list of 20, which covers most of the things your utility does, mm-hmm. every single one of these will improve service, cut costs, and deliver better environmental results. And we've operationalized it so that your play sheet is ready. Yes, mm-hmm. it'll have to be customized. Well, as well, every utility is very similar. There's still differences. And of yeah. course, we have to customize. But we're 80% there because we're just so alike, utility to utility in so many ways. Let's make it easy for utilities to adopt these handful of things that will start the upward trend of a community knowing what it can be, of a place saving money, of an environment being better off, of solving problems that are before us, of enabling our employees to do the things they know they can do. Whenever I saw our employees early on, it wasn't that they weren't good. It was that the tools they had bef- to use were pathetic. Yeah. How are our teams, back when I first was going to water main break, supposed to know what they're getting into when the books they were using <laughs> to figure out was there were 20 years old? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the team that digs up and they find something different and they everyone thinks, well, you guys are an idiots. You don't know. They weren't idiots. The tools they had mm-hmm. were deficient. Mm-hmm. Now we can turn that around. Our folks know what to do. They're smart, dedicated, capable, creative, and innovative. Mm-hmm. We give them good tools. It's takeoff time. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. where we are. We're at takeoff time. That's the moonshot. That's the moonshot. <laughs> Ooh, we got a hee-haw and all. Um, before we get into our lightning round, and you've already kind of touched on this, so I don't want to repeat this right. question, but um, you know, I think one of the... One of the biggest takeaways, regardless of what topic you're talking about, is like when you leave a ballroom that George has just talked in, you leave, I mean, just watching him doing this interview, you, he's like moving everywhere. It's like it's a full body presentation and you leave just feeling pumped up and invigorated and inspired and valued and validated, um, regardless of whether you're a director or an external affairs manager or a communicator or whatever. And every single time that I've been fortunate to, to see you present, I always think about um, the guys that we used to work with out in the field because above all else, I want them to hear that message. And you've kind of already touched on it a little bit, but just before we kind of break into these little fun, quick questions, um, to take a snippet that I can play for them that are out there right now, just one more time saying why what they do matters so much. Right. Well, I would say it in a separate, and it's hard for me to talk in a snippet ever. I know. <laughs> but what, what it I doesn't would say have to be. is my favorite days at DC Water 
were the days that I spent with our crews in the field. Mm-hmm. Same. And from the beginning, it wasn't just over time, right from when I've got there, the, the level of kindness, mm-hmm. of dedication, of team spirit, these folks would help each other out. Sometimes they'd argue like crazy, but when the oh, chips yeah. were down, oh, everybody yeah. dropped everything, everyone backs everyone else, it doesn't matter who's what, you, you do what you've got to do. I learned from that. So to the extent, you were very kind in what you um, just said about me, but to the extent that that's true, I learned that watching our folks and talking to our folks. It's just the dedication. I, those of you who are out there, you know you got it because it's in you. Mm-hmm. And I saw it, and I talk about it a lot now, but I got it from you. And what I loved was being with you in the field, seeing the dedication and the excitement Folks have been doing this for 30 years, and they do another project. They serve someone well, and it was like they were doing it. They were just yep. excited about, we just did this really. It was a, I loved watching it. My last day at DC Water, I happened to be walking by one of our facilities, and one of the guys ran out, and he wanted to show me something on one of our trucks that they had helped create. It was this diagnostic tool and all the rest. And of all the days, that was my favorite moment mm. because it was, again, it was the pride of the person who is delivering this service. Yep. And I, I, I need to tell, and I tried to all the time of how much I valued and how important their job was, but I would say exactly the reverse. If I'm animated and dedicated and all this, I got that somewhere. That didn't happen by accident. Yeah. And I got that from you all. I got it from the folks who are working in the field. So I got far more from you than I ever, uh, than the other way around. It was absolutely a, uh, an honor and a pleasure and a privilege from what I learned and heard from the folks in this industry. And I did not know. I had not been in it. This was all news and all learning. And it was, it's, been a, it's been a highlight of my entire life. Well, on our last day, we did a tweet about how it was one of our hardest days was saying goodbye to everybody. And um, you retweeted that and said how you understood that feeling more than anything. And it just felt like this complete circle of we had George Hawkins, the general manager of one of the biggest utilities in the country. And, you know, Stephanie and Arianne, the public communicator and educators at a city, like a fraction of the size. But it's all it's the same. It's the same. That principle doesn't matter. The it's scale. The same. It's not a size question. It's yeah. a heart question. And that um, like it all came together. That you know, it's it was, the part of the job I miss the most. Mm-hmm. I, I miss putting on the uniform. I miss I miss that camaraderie. I don't. Yeah. I don't miss the calls in the middle of the night. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't miss sure. it, but I do miss that. And it was, it's, I suppose it's like a, an athlete who leaves and, and doesn't mind not being hit by 300 pound people yeah, anymore. Sure. But they miss the camaraderie of yep. people who are committed to a cause. And oh, yeah. in our business, people are committed to a cause. It's, and it's such an important one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I miss them dearly. But I think about them all the time and I don't feel it's that far off. Whenever I see them. Oh, Every it's time we drive around. It's like, yes, it's like nothing ever changed. We're still just. Everywhere we go, when we drive around, no matter if it's a gas station or just driving, if we see whatever city, water, matter, yep. we're honking and waving. And, we're all, and then we're like, oh, I hope they think that was a good honk and not a bad honk. So every water, so right. every water, wastewater folk out there, when you hear two crazy girls honking and yelling, woohoo, and thumbs up, like, that's us. And that's us. Shout out. Yeah, that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> Okay, we're going to go into a lightning round real quick. Oh, gosh, okay. Okay, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Your okay. first gut instincts. Um, what's your favorite book or resource you can recommend? The Ghost Map. Ooh. Um, and I, it's the story of Jon Snow, who was the one who discovered that... High five. <laughs> I like that one. That uh, it's an incredible read of what it was like in cities before 
we all came. If you mm -hmm. want to know what a city was like before our profession really came to the mm -hmm. forefront, read the first chapter of that book. It will blow your mind, and mm. it's absolutely disgusting. Oh, yeah. But the reason I love Jon Snow is he em he's embodies everything we've just talked about. Mm -hmm. He came at this not as a water person. He came at this as someone caring about people's health. People were dying left and right mm -hmm. from cholera. Then he went around and made his own little map of where people were getting cholera, and he started to use his own intelligence mm -hmm. and courage to figure out what the problem was. That's our industry. Yep. And it's from that map that the modern effort to build sewers came from mm. because he was the one who proved that cholera was not from the horrible air, and the air was horrible. Remember when, right. I mean, at the commons, they'd have to put up big sheets over the window and put, chlor and put bleach on it to try mm -hmm. to make it not stink coming off the Thames. Um, but that all came because of Jon Snow, and that emblem—that is our emblem. We start with the notion that people's health and the health of the ecosystems where we start, and then courage and diligence and using our intelligence and native skills to solve a problem. And the Ghost Map is the single best story that I've ever heard. Yes. Okay, you're one of the busiest people we know. What drives you? How do you maintain that energy level? And don't um, say monster drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is like the sun stopping. Um, uh, I'm not. I just am off Diet Coke now. So. Oh, oh my Whoa. gosh! When I left one job, you know what they gave me when I left? A big, gigantic, big gulp cup, gilded, oh my <laughs> put on a stand. Because I was pretty famous of being. So have you slowed definitely. down since you've been? Off? No, I've, I've switched to green tea, which I'm okay, told yeah. make me live longer. Okay, um, okay. No, good. I, kids, we need you around forever. The the. Uh, I, I don't, it's not something that I ever wonder about. It's, it's every, just, when I wake up, it's just, I, I can't stop myself. Yeah. When I think of the things and the people and where, what I've seen. Plus, and I will say this, when you believe like I do, that this is not just a question of clean water, it's a question of whether our species is going to survive on the planet, with water being a fundamental attribute of that. It's not the only issue for that, but it's one of the key ones. How can you not? I mean, this is a question. When I look at little kids now, part of me, I'm optimist, everyone knows, I think, gosh, what was the world going to look like when that little kid mm -hmm. is my age, mm -hmm. which is 50 years from now, mm -hmm. given what's happening? And if you truly believe that our species, which I do, I'm not mm -hmm. trying to tell anyone else, but I believe our species is at risk. And if we do not figure out these questions, this planet is not going to be a planet that's going to be a good place to live. It's something that I cannot stop doing right. because it's, it is it is all of us. But it's also great people. It's really fun. It's interesting. Every day I learn something new. I meet mm -hmm. all these people all around the country and sometimes around the world. It's in, I, whenever I start the flag, even for a moment, something fires me up. Mm -hmm. yep. It's so easy to get fired up in this sure. field. We ask the same question of every person that we have on. Um, in our line of work, we would have people sometimes say to us, well, what does it make a difference if I make a change? I'm just one person. It's not going to matter if it's just me doing this one thing. I'm not going to make a difference. And, of course, we wholeheartedly disagree with that. We think that one person's change can be contagious for others that can lead to even greater change and possibility. So what is the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm, to me, the, when I hear comments like, oh, I'm only one person, I o always think of it exactly the other way around. Um, okay. I actually never started any of this thinking all these things would happen. Yeah. I, I just have to do something that's true to myself. Mm. And what I, would, what I would say to somebody is I have no idea if what you're going to do is going to change the world. I didn't when I did it. What I'm doing is true 
to me. It is making me be who I have to be. Mm -hmm. And just so happens that when you do that, and this is again, I guarantee this because I've only ever seen it, is that when you do that, it radiates. People connect to it. They understand it. They feel it. They want to be like it. They want to mm-hmm. connect to it. But it's being genuine. Mm-hmm. So I I, I, I I, hope I'm not saying this the wrong way. I never start off trying to change anything big. I try to start off, am I doing what's right for me? Mm-hmm. And when I do that, it's a takeoff time, personally. And and when I'm not, in the parts of my life, when I and there's been plenty, mm-hmm. where I have not performed well when I have not done well when I've been stuck in some bad habits it's almost always true when I look back that that was not happening that was not true and when you do something and you'll know it I in my experience well I should only speak for myself in my experience when it has been true it's been obvious this Mm, is not like beating oh I think it no no it's like the sun coming out and the angels singing and it's (laughs) and and I don't know what I think religious wise because it's I feel very personal on it but I sort of feel that voice is really powerful when it's straight and then you know and and I think people connect to it it's uh, and but that's secondary it's yeah. being true to yourself, and you'll be just astonished. And by the way, sometimes when I've been true to myself, I haven't changed anything. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I'm happy. Yeah. That's how I'm, yep. f- I'm. So not every time when we're true to ourselves is the whole world going to change around us. But when you're true to yourself, that is when you're going to be happy in your life. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it won't be the big world that's changing, but you'll be better in your home. You'll be better yep. with your spouse well, you and can your be kids is the pebble and all those things. Ripples. So yep. wherever that ripple will be, big, small, mm-hmm. personal, it's, it is going to be there when you're true. And I know that sounds very, I don't know why. Nope, that's nope that it. is you. Perfect. That's been resonating with me, that whole living your truth for hardcore for the past year and so when you said that that Getting was up like at 4 a.m in the morning i read that i'm like are you kidding me yes that's i'm true uh, to myself but not at 4 a.m <laughs> <laughs> so i'm so impressed he does that. sleep ladies and gentlemen sleep. i try no, to sleep at I'm least three my, hours a night okay <laughs> last oh you sound like me <laughs> so last question you step into an elevator with a regular old-fashioned water user what is your water elevator pitch my water elevator pitch. You got 30 seconds with them. I just say, how'd you start your day today? Mm-hmm. And you know, our, our folks deliver that to you and how we do it and why it matters. Or it, it would all depend on the person because I want to see what the entry point would be. Because it could be, gosh, you know that they just discovered, thinking they're discovering water on Mars. You know why? Because that's the first thing to look for for all life, and we, I never really thought about that till I. So I, I don't have a stand a, a single elevator. Pitch. After tomorrow, you will because it'll be like you want to know about some manure. <laughs> <laughs> I would go there. <laughs> to me, this did is. Did you step in horse manure? This is a communications no. question. <laughs> is always go where your audience is ready to go. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. So <laughs> it, if there's someone on an uh, in an elevator that wants to talk manure, I'll go there. Because we, w- the amazing thing about industry is we're connected to everything. Everything. So if you say I'm interested in whatever your interest is, I bet there's a way to connect 100%. what we do to what your interest is. Yep. And the question getting on the elevator is how to make that first connection and then grow from there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was a really Weasley answer. Cause I no, no, it's fun. Love it. Love it. Speech. Well, um, George, beyond uh excited to have spent this time with you um always a pleasure to to talk water and life and just being awesome with you so uh we appreciate you taking the time to to spend with us today thank you george it has been my total pleasure (laughs) and for those of you uh out there in the listening world there's a whole bunch of these by the way 
There's and, this. Um, You're number 40. Yep. 40. You've yep. got to listen to these things. Because there's, there's, they, sh- they talk to like really smart people. <laughs> a lot of smart people. And, uh, present company included. Um, well, I always think I'm just pontificating about things. But there's a lot of content out. And, and it's really the other thing that I've learned in doing this industry, because I did come in knowing so little, that I could not have done anything if I had not listened well to others who knew more than I, which was almost everybody. Yeah. And that's what these, the water for real life, uh, water in real life does for you. It presents to you the things that you can learn from and you and your organizations can jumpstart. You don't have to start from scratch. You don't have to make the, the a lot of these things have been done by good people of sound mind and good judgment. Mm-hmm. They find them. They interview them, and then you get to do it, get it for free. You there get you to go. Go, you jump right it's to free. the so <laughs> front of the class. It is free. Yeah. Well, well, well yeah. to listen. Yeah. Well, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and then you can hire them when you need your help. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. There. There All right. Thank you, George. We hope you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Our podcast guests are the best. We learn so much from them and have so many takeaways, and we love sharing their stories with you. If you haven't registered for Catalyst yet, please go to roguewatergroup.com forward slash Catalyst. The link to register is there. We are halfway full and we have not even hit February yet. So if you're wanting to go, please get online and register now. Catalyst takes place June 19th through the 21st, 2019 in San Antonio, Texas on the Riverwalk. Registration is only $70 and we're getting a great block rate from the hotel as well. Want to take this time to give a shout out to our incredible Catalyst 2019 sponsors, San Antonio Water System, Texas AWWA, the Water Environment Association of Texas, Lower Colorado River Authority, Alliance for Water Efficiency, 120 Water Audit, and Dallas Water Conservation. If you or your organization would like to sponsor the most Rogue Water Summit around, again, visit roguewatergroup.com forward slash catalyst for more information. Before we go, I just want to remind you to sign up for the Water Nerd newsletter by going to vh2duo.com forward slash newsletter. We want to keep in touch and make sure that you are the first to know about any and all resources that we release, including new podcast episodes. We hope to see you at Catalyst this year, and we hope to see you next Monday when our latest podcast drops. Until then, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.